Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal my soul. Test this morning. Father, thank you for a brand new day. Thank you, Lord, because there is breath in me. There is life in me. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your mercies. I wake up this morning and I know that you are still faithful. I know that your covenant is still working and that you are still keeping your covenant. You said as long as I see the sun rise and set, Lord, your covenant with your servant David has not been broken. Your covenant that we have with you in Christ has not been broken. And so this morning, we thank you for the covenant. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. By his blood, we can call you Father this morning. By his blood, we can enter into your presence and praise you. Be glorified forevermore. We declare this morning that you are the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. You are the one simply that lives forevermore. Lord, you existed before time began. You will be here when time has ended. Be glorified forevermore. We worship you this morning as the one who is sufficient in every situation. Lord, scripture says creation looked to you and their faces were enlightened. Father, thank you this morning. We worship you because you are the I am. Lord, you are everything to us, Lord. We worship you this morning as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Be glorified forevermore in the mighty name of Jesus. As we spend this time here this morning reading your word, we ask, Lord, once again, speak to us, grant us wisdom and understanding, help us learn in your presence, let your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. All right, let's continue our reading of the book of Luke. Welcome to everyone. I am Morphe Aeneke as usual. Today, we'll be taking two chapters, chapter 6 and 7. Chapter 6 is will is one of the best chapters you will ever read. There's so much lesson to learn here. I hope we can finish just chapter 6 today. So here we see the discussion about the Sabbath. Yes, and what's the lesson about what we call the Beatitudes. I remember as a young Christian, there was this game cards that we used to play. Yes, the house of one wonderful man called Mr. Okotete very wonderful man we used to play these bible games you know uh, a lot of them were focused on the beatitude i don't know whether he realized by playing those games he was investing into our lives a love for the bible okay so we'll read about that in luke chapter 7 chapter 6 in luke chapter 7 we'll read about the fate of the roman officer and all the lessons that Jesus has to teach us there. Jesus will raise the dead and then the discussion with Jesus, Jesus and John the Baptist asking whether Jesus was the Messiah. We ask, what was that all about? All right, get your Bibles. Let's read together um, Luke chapter 6, a discussion about the Sabbath. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, 
his disciples broke off heads of grain, rubbed off the husk in their hands, and ate the grain. But some Pharisees said, Why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Okay, so they were breaking, I think, um, I don't know how many laws they were breaking here. But obviously, the one on the Sabbath, the guys, the Pharisees are claiming that they are breaking. I don't know whether this looks like harvesting grain, but they were simply picking grain for food. That's one. Number two, they were picking grains or putting it in their mouths or eating it without washing their hands. So they were defiled. So if you read about this story again, you will notice that there are two dimensions to this story. Okay, There was one that focuses on the not washing hands part and there is this one that focuses on the, the discussion on the sabbath so they said why are you are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the sabbath jesus replied haven't you read in the scripture what david did when he and his companions were hungry he went into the house of god and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests can eat he also gave some of some to his companions and Jesus added, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Okay, so maybe you want to ask the question, was David law over the, Lord over the Sabbath too? Okay, but the understanding Jesus was trying to give them was that the, the, the law or the Sabbath was not intended to bind man. There was nothing special in those bread, okay? They were just simply... <laughs> yeah, but, a tool for the man of God or the priest to worship God, okay? Um, and that was what they had. They were still bread. So adding anything special to them or trying to use them to bind people, to constrict them to do specific things was just being ingenious, which is what the, the, the Pharisees were trying to do here. Jesus said the Sabbath was intended okay so that man will worship god nothing beyond that okay not that people cannot lift their finger they cannot lift their legs just because it is sabbath day okay so it goes on on another sabbath the bible sabbath day a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue where jesus was teaching the teachers of religious law and the pharisees watched jesus closely if he healed the man's hand they planned to accuse him of walking on the sabbath the question is that did all of them not walk into that place? So if they walked to come and see him, eh, <laughs> to come and watch whether he was going to perform a miracle, were they not all walking also? So they were checking to see, okay, whether he would he would heal on the Sabbath so that they could accuse him of walking on, <clears throat> on the Sabbath day. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or a day to destroy it? If you were the one that Jesus asked that question, <laughs> what would you have answered? Because Jesus got them. The Sabbath was not created. Man was not created for Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for man. It is not a day to constrict and bind man. No, it is a day to, re to, to activate man, to release man, to worship God. And anything that would help him to worship God is awesome. It is not work for you to drive all the way to church, but it is work for you to wash your car. It is not work 
I'm telling you all manner, all manner of laws that just simply do not make, do not make sense. So obviously they would not have been able to answer Jesus here, right? They couldn't say that the Sabbath is not a, a right time to go, do good. In other words, if I had the opportunity to do good just because it's Sabbath, I, I should not do it. They could say that. Neither could they could they say that the Sabbath is a day to do evil just because it's Sabbath day. Even though I see that it is good, I should do. I won't do it because it is Sabbath day. It does not make any sense. Okay, so very important lesson for us to learn here: the Sabbath day, the day we go to church, or whatever day you choose your own Sabbath day to be a day you have set aside to God. For God, it's not a day to constrict you. It's a day to activate you, to release you, to worship God. Jesus asked, is this a day to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man, hold out your hand. Ah, God, give me grace, power to do this kind of work. Oh, eh? I, I love this kind of work. Simple work, hold out your hand. Hmm? The Bible says, so the, man's, the man held out his hand and it was restored. Hallelujah. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. I don't know why, what, why were they wild. Was it because the man's hand was restored? If, it, if you were the one that was there and the man's hand was resto- restored, what would you do? I'm sure you would join in the dancing. You would be like, wow, what power we are witnessing. Okay? But instead, they were already filled with jealousy. The devil already filled their heart with such venom and vile for Jesus. Okay, so at this inst- at this point, they were already tools in the hands of the devil. Okay, so they went away uh, discussing what to do with him. Next, Jesus would choose the twelve. One day, Jesus soon. Uh, one day soon afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he came. He called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Okay? So that means that there are more of them. Them, I'm sure at this time, people like Barnabas were already here. Okay? So he chose 12. Simon, woman named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Aphius, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas son of Judas son of James and Judas Iscariot who later betrayed him. Since when they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the sea, the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and those troubled by evil spirit were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. Jesus healed everyone. Jesus still heals today. Hallelujah. Next, we read about the Beatitudes and I'm telling you, this is some of the best lessons you will ever learn. Please read these words. Take them literally. Okay? Don't put any side interpretation to them. Just take them literally and learn the lesson from them. It says, verse 20, Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, His disciples, not the apostles. So one of the things you would notice is Luke makes 
is distinguishing between when Jesus was speaking to the apostles and when Jesus was speaking generally to his disciples. He speaks here to his disciples, okay? So that would have included everybody. God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Who is so? This is where a lot of people. Um, or earlier Christians, you know, carved out that it was it was a pride to be poor, or it was good to be poor. But no, that was not what Jesus intended. The poor here talks about poor in spirit. In other words, those who have a craving, a longing in their hearts to want to know God more and more, better and better. Okay, God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God. He says, for, for the kingdom of God is yours. Your heart is craving for God, longing for God. David puts it this way as the deer pants after the water. The deer's heart is poor for water. It wants water. It is longing for water. And it will go miles, okay, kilometers, just to search for that water. When your heart is poor towards God, the same thing. God will ensure that you find him hallelujah 21 says god blesses you who are hungry now for you will be satisfied okay so again is it talking about hunger for for food no hunger for god eh god blesses you who are hungry for god hungry for god now this is for you will be satisfied not hungry for food though eh if you are hungry for food go and get food to eat since god blesses you who are hungry now for you will be satisfied god blesses you who weep now for in due time how you will laugh in other words you weep now in bringing the kingdom of god to pass pass in doing everything you can in in loving others in sacrificing for others so that's the weeping part jesus says that look in due time in due season you will laugh you will laugh not only in this world your reward is not just in heaven your reward is mighty in heaven for those who sacrifice for others okay those who put others first your reward is mighty in heaven okay but jesus says in due time specifically not only in this world but you will enjoy your blessing in this world and also in heaven this is what blessing awaits you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the son of the son of man i wish most christians would just learn this particular beatitude verse 22 we want to feel among we want to dress like the world we want to look like the world we want to have the likes they have on social media forgetting that majority of those who are there do not know the lord so the message that you are sharing will likely not resonate with them so why are you seeking for the likes that they get your place is to share the message on the rooftop right there on social media and that's all jesus says god blesses you when the world eats and excludes you Eh? It seems they don't want to have anything to do with you because you are a freak. Eh Listen, God says you are blessed. I declare this morning you are blessed. He says they call you evil because you follow the Son of Man. You are blessed. He says when that happens, be happy. Did you hear that morning? Be happy. He says, yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. They treated Jesus the same way. Okay? So what mighty lessons 
to learn for the beatitude keep them close to your heart they will always they will always bless you let's go on it says what sorrow awaits you who are rich for you have your only happiness for you have your only happiness now jesus was not again preaching here that it was a bad thing to be rich okay when you are rich be rich towards others when you are rich be a cheerful giver that is what that is what your riches were meant for it is to be a blessing it's to make you a blessing okay but when you are rich and you are rich only to yourself jesus says what sorrow awaits you because you are enjoying your own happiness right here on this earth it says what sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now for a time of awful hunger awaits you what sorrow awaits you who laugh now for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised false prophets. Oh, why am I thinking of social media? <laughs> and next to the seventh, it says, uh, love your f- for enemies. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Did you hear that? Love your enemies. That's just the Christian way. Do good to those who hate you, okay? We don't do an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I must revenge. That's not the Christian way. That's not the Christ way. It says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't treat, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. This is the golden rule. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. My own golden rule is do to others as you would have done to jesus whatever jesus does not deserve don't give it to other people if you will use this golden rule i'm telling you you will be a blessing in this world since if you love only those who love you why should you get credit for that there's nothing there's no blessing in that since even sinners love those who love them and if you do good only to those who do good to you why should you get credit even sinners do that much and if you lend money only to those who repay you why should you get credit even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return since love your enemies do good to them lend to them without expecting to be repaid since then your reward then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the most high for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked you must be compassionate just as your father in heaven is compassionate okay so other interpretation you must be holy as your father in heaven is holy if you look at it in the context of the scripture it wasn't referring to holiness it was referring to love and compassion love just as god loved the world and gave us jesus hallelujah it says do not judge others and you will not be judged do not condemn others or it will come back come back against you 
forgive others and you will be forgiven. Simply, when you judge others, you put yourself in line that you will be judged. When you refuse to forgive others, you will not be forgiven in turn. It is simple. Read the Beatitudes. Take them literally. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaking together to make room for more running over and poured into your laps that's what you will get when you are a giver it says the amounts you give uh, will determine the amounts uh, you get back you see very simple the amount you give will determine the amounts you get back so be a cheerful giver since then jesus gave the following instruction can one blind person lead another won't they both fall into a dish Students are not greater than their teachers, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eyes when you have a log in your home? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrites. First, get rid of the log in your own eyes, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. Okay? So Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't try to help one another or point out one another's you know mistakes when we are when we are making it or help one another but he says it must be done in love how can you do it do it in love by dealing with your own first when you learn to do with your deal with yours first you will learn to be humble you will learn the place of mercies and when you want to correct others you will see that you will not correct them actually yes because you will know that it is the mercy of god that has helped you stand Okay, and by the mercy of God, you are standing today. My pastor says that everyone who fails to learn this lesson that he has noticed, everyone who criticizes others, when they they see them falling or they are they are doing something amiss, he says he has seen something about them that they tend to fall themselves. Ah, you will not fall in the mighty name of Jesus. Next, the good the the good tree. He says a good tree can produce can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit a tree is identified by its fruit figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bamboo bushes a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart what you say flows from what is in your heart so pay attention to your heart she says so why do you keep calling me lord lord when you don't do what i say i will show you what it's like when someone comes to me listens to my teaching and then and then follows it it is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock since when the flood water rise and breaks against that house it stands firm because it is well built since but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation where the flood sweeps down against that house it will collapse into a heap of rains what i get from this last part okay on this those who hear god's word you know everyone eh, we eventually hear the word and everyone will face this 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 strong winds. The question is whether you will be standing. Ah, my prayer is that you will stand in the mighty name of Jesus. Yes, you will make it in the mighty name of Jesus. But the storm will come to every life. The only reason why you will stand is because you are standing on the word of God. I pray for you. You will stand on the word. You will you will make it in the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. All right, let's read Luke chapter 7, the faith of a Roman officer. When Jesus had finished saying all this to, to, the, to the people, he, turned, he returned to Capernaum. At that time, the highly, at that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and nearly and, and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I am not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I I, I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come, and if I say to my slave, do this, they do it. The man says something very importantly. The reason why my soldiers obey me is because I myself, I am under authority. The way faith works is that you are under authority. If you are not under authority, faith cannot work. Whose authority are you under? You're, you must be under the authority of Christ. Yes, you must be asking and you must be standing in the name of Jesus. When you do that, okay, you command respect. You tell the demons to go and they go. They will go. They have no choice because you are not speaking in your own authority. Just like the centurion here is not speaking in his own authority. He is speaking in the authority of the officer. He is under authority to which then who is then speaking under the authority of the officer is then is also under authority to before you know it they are speaking on behalf of the army you disregard him you disrespect the army it is the army you will answer to so when i give a command demons have no choice they have to obey why because they will have to answer to the king that i am under authority to this is how faith works. Very, very important. So, when Jesus will hear this, he says, do this. Uh, and they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in whole Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Because Jesus would have spoken right there. Okay? What the man asked for was done. Next, Jesus raises raises a widow's son soon afterward jesus went with his disciples to the village of nain and a large crowd followed him a funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate the young man who had who had died was a widow's only son and a large crowd from the village was with her when the lord saw her his heart overflowed with compassion don't cry he said then he walked over to the coffin and touched it and the bearer stopped young man he said i tell you get up then the dead boy sat up and began to talk and jesus gave him back to his mother so luke was one of the only person that recorded this particular account as a doctor maybe he would have been one of those who would have examined this boy but big lessons i learned from here two crowds are, going, are about meeting themselves jesus does 
healed the servant of that Roman officer without even going there. Okay, they would have had the story. Oh, the the, the man is healed. Everybody is rejoicing. So you have Jesus's crowd. Most likely, this was during the period also, you know, um, of when the woman with the issue of blood could have been healed. Maybe. Okay. So healings usually happen in all of his events so the crowd is rejoicing and shouting then they meet this other procession that are mourning the question is which crowd is going to who is going to you know triumph is this the mourning crowd or the rejoicing crowd but i tell you the jesus crowd the one who is rejoicing always triumph yes yeah jesus uses the compassion, the joy that was in this crowd to overwhelm this other crowd. By the time Jesus will finish, I'm telling you, <laughs> this crowd would have joined Jesus. <laughs> they would have joined Jesus in jumping and shouting because the boy was brought back to life. Very important. Okay, so we'll go through life. Life will throw at us this morning crowd. You must stand your ground. Okay. And use the joy, the compassion that is in your own heart to overwhelm, okay, the sorrow and the mourning the world is throwing at you, okay? Very, very important. Very important. He says, then the dead boy sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept swept the crowd and they praised God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. I don't know why they were saying this only because of this particular one. They should have known, okay? Less Jesus and John, the disciples of John the Baptist, told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Why was John asking it? Very several false messiahs have come. Okay, so he just wanted to be sure. John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits and evil spirits and he restored sight to many who were blind then he told john's disciples go back to john and tell him what you have seen and heard the blind sees the lame walk those with leprosy are cured the deaf hear the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor everything that the messiah is supposed to do he says and he added god blesses those who do not fall away because of me not necessarily referring to john okay John was just look asking for clarity, okay? That those who try to say uh, John was feeling offended that Jesus was succeeding. No, that was not the intention. He says, after John's disciples left, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of a man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was, it a, was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive, expensive clothes? Remember, John is his cousin. No, people who wear beautiful clothes and live, uh, who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxuries are found in palaces were you looking for a prophet yes he is more than a prophet john is the man to whom the scripture refers when they say look i am sending my messengers ahead of you and he will prepare and if he will prepare he will prepare your way before you we have that in micah micah chapter 3 verse 1 i tell you 
of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John, yet even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. Okay, so give whatever interpretation you want to give. Is it the kingdom that Jesus was about to just ex- to establish that he is referring to? I think so. The kingdom of those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, who will have the Holy Spirit released out to them. Jesus said, even the least of them was going to be greater than John. 29 says, when they had this, all the people, even the tax collector, agreed that God's way was right, for they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in religious law rejected God's plans for them, for they had refused John's baptism. To what can I compare the people of this generation? Jesus asked, how can I describe them? They are like children playing a game in the public square. They complained to their friends, we played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't weep for John the Baptist uh, didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine and you say he is possessed by a demon. The son of man on the other hand feasts and drink and you say he is a gluten and a drunkard and a friend of tax collector and other sinners. Okay, But they also said that even he too was possessed by demon. So which one works? The best, this one does the right, you said no. This one does the left, you said no. It says, but wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. All you have to do is pay attention to what was coming from both of their ministries and you will know that they were both speaking for God. Next, we see Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Jesus is just very strange, eating with his enemies. Since when a certain immoral woman from that city had he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt bef- be- behind him at his feet, weeping at fear fell on his feet and she wiped she wiped them off with her hair then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them when the pharisees the pharisee who had invited him saw this he said to himself if this man were a prophet he would know what kind of woman is touching him she is a sinner then jesus answered his thought jesus answered his thought okay simon he said to the pharisee i have something to say to you go ahead teacher Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered. I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hairs. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Uh, you neglected the courtesy of holy oil to anoint my head, but she anointed my feet with rare perfume. All right, let's. Mm, can we finish this? It says, I tell you, as sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. So he, so she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you go in peace hallelujah so much lessons to learn from today i don't know which one to even take all i can encourage us to do today 
is read these chapters again and be blessed by them. I'm telling you, the Beatitudes will bless you. The story of this woman here, Jesus knew that it was in hostile territory. Okay, still, uh, this woman blesses Jesus. Jesus said, those who are forgiven little, okay, love God just a little. But if you are like me, whom God has forgiven me a lot, you will say, Father, I love you with all my heart. Will you declare it with me this morning? Jesus, I love you with all my heart. Help me to walk with you deeper and deeper in the mighty name of Jesus. Help me to love you better and better, more and more in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.